Hello and welcome to the Open Book Podcast, a podcast where we unapologetically explore life's many chapters. The Book of Life has many chapters that come from different authors. Some of them are tough, some funny, and some are take-your-breath-away amazing. While we all experience the chapters with a different lens, we remind ourselves that we're not alone. This is a no-holds-barred look at one author's truth, and we hope we discover yours along the way. Welcome. This week we learn about what chapter I'm in and how I got here. I'm dating while divorcing. In the beginning. And we talk to my friend Officer Craig about policing with empathy. Welcome to the Open Book Podcast. Welcome, Craig. How are you today? I am great. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that you are here. And today we are going to talk about empathy and policing and all the things, amazing things that you get to do with your job and not so amazing things. So I appreciate you so very kindly for taking time to do that for us. Yes, let's do it. Let's get to know Craig a little bit better. Uh, We have our rapid fire questions that we like to ask all of our guests. And the first thing is, Craig, are you single, married, divorced, partner, all of the above? Uh, Yes, all of the above. Yes, check, 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 (laughs) check, check. Currently divorced, but have a girlfriend. And how long have you been divorced? Boy, that was 2009. Uh, Bad divorce, good divorce. Not that any divorce is a good divorce, but... Well, it's good that it's over, mm-hmm. uh, but it was it was a very tough thing to happen in my life, especially mm-hmm. because we had three girls. How long were you married? 16 years. How old are the girls? 29, 27, and 22. And you are in contact with all of them, and life is still good. There's no broken relationships with the girls, correct? No, we have a very strong relationship. It's tough because they're on opposite sides of the United States. Oh, where, where are they all living? Uh, my oldest daughter lives in Vermont and my middle daughter lives in California mm-hmm. and my youngest just moved out to her own apartment, but she lives, uh, in the area, here. the area here. Okay. Well, how wonderful for your vacation schedule, California and Vermont. Right. We put on a, a few miles. So my oldest daughter in Vermont had a grand, my first grandchild. Congratulations. Uh, little Hutch. Yes, yes. He's a little over a year old. So thank God for or FaceTime. Uh, I don't know how I would do it without that. It's it's tough. How often do you um, get to actually physically see them? It's tough. You know, she's a, a resident, uh, OB-GYN resident, mm-hmm. so their schedule is extremely busy. Mm-hmm. She has to be there. So I'm hoping that once that is over, uh, I think the plan is for them to move back to the area so she can practice there, and then I'll be able to see him and hold him talk to him in person. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, and three girls cry. God bless your heart. I can't even imagine that estrogen in your house growing up (laughs) as they were like becoming women. You know, it's that whole managing cycles and they come at the same time. And you know, I have no complaints. It was, they are great kids. We had hardly any issues, nothing big. And I'm very fortunate to have such good girls. Yeah. Awesome. Well, they have a good dad too. So that, that does help Craig. It does. I will (laughs) sincerely say that. Do you have any animals, any pets? I do. I have a crazy golden retriever. And what's his name? He is Copper. Okay. And we chose that. I chose that name. I think I knew long ago that it's funny. I had no dogs growing up. I hit 50 years old. Yes. That shocks me. I know it's weird. And I know that my mom and dad pull out this letter about me begging for a dog Aww. and I would clean up after you mm-hmm. know, all that mm-hmm. stuff that you do to, and no, we had, we had no dogs. You never did. Yeah. So I had uh, my oldest daughter living with me and her was not husband then, but uh, they had their own golden retriever 
and she got pregnant and I got a choice of uh, one of the puppies. So, yes. And it's funny because her, you know, her, her dog is the, the mother and my dog Copper is named after her, one of her favorite shows. Oh, is it, is it what I think it is? It was the Fox and the yes. Hound. Yeah. My name's Copper and yes. I'm a hound dog. Yeah. Yes. And it worked perfect. You know, Copper, he's got copper color. Mm-hmm. I'm a police officer. So it, it just, it fit. I mean, a little, they can be a little neurotic and nuts. And does he eat everything that you own he, or is he, he out did. of that stage? Yeah. No, he, he ate everything. Um, my kitchen table, mm-hmm. the window wells, the patio door, all the outside furniture. He still loves socks. Um, he'll come in and steal yes. a sock and chew that up and he doesn't hide it though he grabs it he'll come and sit right at your feet and you just chew on the sock yep. yeah if you're not paying attention that's, it's you got a half a sock it's his snack okay that's adorable <laughs> i love their little quirks uh, how old is he he is three okay oh he's still got lots of puppy oh, in him oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know we, i had to do daycare for him thinking that oh great you know he's gonna wear himself mm-hmm. out and come home Mm-mm. and be this chill dog and no he's no crazy they all the need time. so much we um i had labs in a past life and we had to walk them two and a half miles in the morning and two and a half at night and it still did not stop the progression yeah. of destruction i mean we had a wooden staircase in our front foyer and one of them actually chewed the whole front <laughs> stairs in a hundred year old historic oh, home to this yeah so I that was it, yeah that was an amazing you love them. Puppies, puppies, puppies. <laughs> Part of the family, right? That's right. That's why I tell him he's so he's lucky he's cute because yeah. otherwise he'd be dead. Right. <laughs> Where do you call home? Are you from this area originally or are you a transplant into the Green Bay area? I am a transplant. So I came here in 1999 for the job mm-hmm. as a police officer. Um, but I grew up and was born in Wausau, so right down in central Wisconsin. Okay. How long have you been a police officer? I just hit my 24th year here. Uh, prior to that in Wausau, I was a probation officer for, okay. for seven years. So I got some, some good time into this. Growing up, Craig, did you always know that you wanted to be a police officer? I, I did. And I think when I was going to high school, we had what they called officer friendly and it was a sheriff's deputy. I still remember officer Kittle, uh, mm-hmm. he became sheriff in the area and I never, you know, went up to talk to him and was interested, but I think just seeing that and the respect that uh, everybody had for him. It's like, man, I, I like that, you know, and not knowing all what he did or something, but I think that just planted that seed and there really wasn't anything else. You know, my dad uh, had other ideas when, you know, he thought it should be in accounting and things mm-hmm. like that, but I just thought law enforcement, that was, you know, exciting and kind of went from there. Your favorite childhood cartoon? I think it's the Flintstones, to be honest with you. I remember watching Fred and mm-hmm. Barney and Wilma and Betty. Betty and... was pretty attractive, so that was a oh you know. boy, the Betty complex. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now, were you still? Did, was it Saturday morning cartoons, or wow? Did you? It, you know, I'm a little bit older than you, so yeah, it was. You know, the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner hour is kind of the the first thing. Sure, that's still uh, still a favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was like an hour of cartoons, and that's all you got. They deem that too violent now. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I. It, I we turned out okay. I'm just oh okay. Questionable, but yeah. They can um they have a box set of the Looney Tunes of all of the things which I actually got received for Christmas a couple of years oh, ago, and awesome. I like it's actually really funny to watch it back now because it's just not as awesome yeah. as you remember it being. But it was so cool when you watched it, right? Yeah. Yes, I think that's the same with uh, like horror movies now. You know, watching some of those old ones that were scary. Yes. When you watch it now, it's like, man, that's really dumb. What was your first horror movie? 
Do you oh. remember? Mine was um, the Freddy series of Friday the 13th. That's, that's what I was going to say, the Friday the 13th. And man, and, and like Halloween and, you know, I did not sleep for weeks yeah. after watching that. Of how, and now you watch it and you think, oh. what in the heck? Um, favorite beverage, Craig? Uh, beer. Not just any beer. Special. Like craft Home beer? craft brewed stuff. Yeah. I, uh, my ex-father-in-law who passed away uh, many years ago now, but he got into making beer mm-hmm. um, and they were really good at it. And I was really enjoying that. You know, I was the typical whatever mm-hmm. wedding beers that everybody sure. gets. <laughs> wedding beers. I love that so the much. Cheap, the cheap yes. beers, you know, and, and now you get that taste of the, the real good stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of my passions is... Uh, biking and biking to breweries and drinking beer. Pedal biking. Yes. Yes. And I actually, if you wouldn't mind, at some point you are into the craft beers. I need a crash course in beers because when I go to the breweries that you're going to, I will 100% pick something based on the name. Like where I'm like, hazy days. Yeah, I want that. And then it's this dark, horrible, awful something that I don't care for. So I don't know what a porter is. I don't know what an IPA is. You know, the good thing is you can go and you can try a bunch of different things and you're going to find out that you like a little bit of everything. You know, I, I was not a big IPA fan and up until a couple of years ago, it's like, nope, I'm not going to try that, but there's some good stuff out there. Well, what defines an IPA? For example, it's a more, uh, Juicy, higher, hoppy kind of a beer. Okay. Um, typically, I'm, I'm a dark beer okay. kind of guy. The the porters, uh, stouts, or something like that. Um, but those really fill you up. So it depends on what you got going on for the day. You know, do you want to drink one beer or do you want to drink uh, multiple? Well, beers? and that's the other thing. Like even with the wedding beers, they can fill you up, and you can have that bloat with them with too much. So I, it's hard also to know what to pick with the the yeah. breweries. It's and I love the names as well. Sometimes I'll just try it because of the name. And like I think I, I like that. I also, you know, I got into making beer a little bit. I, I did it when he was alive, um, and then went many years without doing it. And my oldest daughter um, likes the craft beers too. She likes the darker beers. And actually, for her wedding, she said, "I want to make a beer for my wedding." Come on, yeah. Did you do this? We did, and it was it was quite the process. <gasps> so awesome. she, you know, was um, kind of a. English wheat. She wanted lavender flavor in it. We had some tea in that, and it was all of, you know, do we pick this kind? This kind we make small batches of each, and it's like, yep, we like that. And then we would add, you know, the tea and find out the right flavor of tea, and then we'd add the lavender, and it was we made a lot of beer. That do you have any left? No. Some of it was good. Some of it was bad. You know, okay, that's the thing. Sure. You're not. I do it smaller batches. You know, like three gallon, five gallon carboys. Uh, which sounds like a lot, but it really is No, it doesn't. Well, and, in the evaporation process and making it, I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, it's it was uh, it was a struggle. We did it. We made enough for the wedding. And, you know, some people liked it, some didn't, but it was a great memory. And, you know, we had, she made her own little label on that and came up with the name. And it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was fun doing it together with her and yeah. you know, the trial and error and super small batches. And I love that. Awesome. Craig, um, for everyone listening, how did you and I meet? You do a lot of work with the area police departments um, with the the canine program. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, I had a bunch of friends that were dog handlers as as well. So that's when I kind of got to know you a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, But it really came down to us um, becoming friends when one of uh, my good friends on the Mm -hmm. police department, his his dog passed. Sure. 
and it had been a while and you know that was the probably the closest i've ever been to a dog because you know he was my friend so i saw him off duty and mm -hmm. you know they have their own personalities but to see the struggle um that he went through with losing that dog mm -hmm. it's like i wanted to come up with some way to memorialize that there's a lot of uh, uh police statues and you know people you know they got police week for officers or something but there's not a whole lot of things for uh part of our tools the dogs and stuff so I kind of had an idea of what I wanted, mm -hmm. but after finding out, you know, it's going to cost a lot of money. I have no idea how to do that <laughs> stuff. You know, I got a great idea, but how to get mm -hmm. from my idea to having it actually happen. I thought of you and I'm like, Damn. enter the moneymaker. <laughs> so we absolutely collaborated on making that project happen. I was very close with that officer as well. Um, talk to us a little bit about when you started on the department and they handled the canines to now with that difference, what that relationship is. Share a little bit about that. From what I remember when I first started, we had canines the whole time I've been there. Um, and it was, this is a tool. The dog is a tool. Mm -hmm. You bring it to work. And when you're not working, the dog's in a kennel and it's not part of the family. This is something you use. You know, it's just like putting your gun away at the end of your mm -hmm. shift. Now, I believe uh, it's more of this dog is part of the family. I mean, there's a ton of time these guys put in uh, training with these dogs. Mm -hmm. And to try to bring your family into that is, you know, a good way to, to get to spend more time with your family because you have to do this. You have right. to do this training. You know, the dog needs to socialize and to be able to say, this is something good. I can be happy, you know, here, or I need to, to work and right. put that time in. So people listening are very passionate about the use of dogs in policing work. If you think of it this way, the police dog is the only retractable tool that police officers have when handling a crisis situation. So once a police officer gives the command of stop or I will do this, any other method is not retractable. Those dogs, they train to be able to stop on a dime. So if in 3.2 seconds later, the bad guy goes, okay, 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 they can stop the dog and down the dog. Correct. It is 100% retractable. And that's why they're so critical that we do that training. We keep them safe. They are part of their families and we honor with the memorial that we actually ended up raising the money for. Thank you. Um, no, you're, thank you. Thank you for teaming with me. It was an unbelievable experience and I loved every minute of it. It's honoring those dogs that give everything to our communities to keep us safe and ultimately to not be deployed on us. And we want to continue to use them in positive manners with uh, children's schools and church picnics and all of those those good things and hopefully they they don't have to be deployed when we need them right it's good for people to get to see that other side of the dog that yes that's a work dog and it can get them some things done but it also uh, is pretty darn entertaining and fun to watch before we get into my next chapter and we talk a little bit more about the fundraiser that we did and how i kind of put myself back out there um share with us something that you're most proud of and this can be professionally or personally I think, you know, going through you know, the basis of your program, uh, going through a, a divorce, um, there were some very dark times, mm -hmm. um, some bad thoughts go through your head. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think having such wonderful girls uh, really made that a simple choice for me. It, they're important. And I think because I guess I'm proud of the fact that I did such a good job raising them. Mm -hmm. I, I feel that, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but 
knowing that they're good kids and I want to be around for them. Mm -hmm. That's, I think that's my proudest moment of how good they've turned out. In so many ways, they're different, but they're also similar in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. And I think just the fact that they can see both sides here and make their own decisions Mm -hmm. on some things, I'm proud of the fact that they're very successful. They're strong, acclimated women, and you should be proud of that. That's, That's amazing. Our episode, Craig, is called Who Let the Dogs Out? Who? Who? who. Yeah, it was me. It's always me. (laughs) I will always let the dogs out. Word is now out. Like, it is full-fledged news here in our community that I am single and ready to mingle. I'm still technically married, but, you know, ish. You you also know that stage of the game. I do, yes. It's weird, right? It's very weird. Where you're like, and people will say to you, you're married. No, 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 I'm not. Okay, on a side note, one of our very good mutual friends shares with me at this point when I'm like, I think I'm I'm ready to like get out there and see what's going on. And he shares with me the, oh, you're ready to make pancakes analogy. The pancake analogy, which I had no idea what it was. When you're making pancakes in the morning, the first one is always test. You got to test the waters and see where the hot spots are and just figure it out. And you usually just discard it and get it over with. To go on to make better pancakes. better pancakes. So he kept, he's like, you got to get out there and you just got to make pancakes. I am 100% not ready to make pancakes at this golf event. However, like I'm ready to flirt and maybe see what's out there. I don't want to do dating apps or anything like that. But but the Jameson shots can sometimes cloud my decision making skills, as we'll clearly see what happens in How this many shots golf. Are we talking about? Oh, well, I don't. It started at what time in the morning? It was early, very early, and it was one hundred percent my doing. I was really careful with my alcohol consumption up until this point because I did. My ex is a very reputable person in our community. I did not want to speak ill about him. I was very angry, so I really wanted to watch how much I was drinking. And like I said, the Jameson shots started to flow and things started to get a little blurry at this event. We were, there were some Bloody Marys involved in that as well. There were Bloody Marys. There were some donuts. There mm-hmm. were, there was a, it was, it was a great event though. Don't you think? I mean, everyone who was there had a good time. I believe, well, we did great. We, we made a lot of money. Um, I think everybody that was there had a lot of fun. It worked out. Yeah. And once I had seen that we had made the money, I just let it snap. I was like, okay, game on. I'm celebrating. I Life is good. I need to not dwell in this pain and just to move that forward. You and your girlfriend asked me to go to a bonfire at a donor's house. And I know I'm way too intoxicated at this point to, to go do that. So I decided to go out with some other friends to another bar. I just honestly didn't want to be in front of a donor having that much Jameson and a very good donor at that. So I choose to go drink more at a bar with a bunch of the other golfers and some friends. And my girl, Jen went with me by the way, Jen, who I know you are listening. She's the one who made me throw absolutely every single pair of underwear that I own and bra that I own away. She came to my house and actually threw them away. The granny panties. Yeah. The granny panties. Mm -hmm. Um, Apparently men like like cleavage and not like uniboob sports bra things. So weird. Um, I know she couldn't make it with me to the lingerie store. So I'm FaceTiming her in the like, Hey, is this okay? Mm-hmm. 
You're welcome. If you're looking to get divorced, this is what your future looks like. <laughs> no. Okay. So, um, so I have new undergarments on at this golf outing and I'm feeling very, very confident about myself. I will say that. Okay. So there is a doctor at the bar and Craig, I am like, I have new underwear on. He was just at my golf outing and he saw me succeed. I'm ruling the world. What could possibly go wrong? I'm the lead singer in the band at this point. Of course he wants to hang out with me. So I go in. I show him the bra and underwear at one point. Yeah. I lifted my shirt and pulled down the side of my pants to show him my new bra. And yeah, he still wasn't interested, which I don't really understand <laughs> because I was just being super classy at the time. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Your face is beat red, Craig, right now. Okay, hilarious. It's not going well. Uh, but I don't realize that it's not going well. And Jen is like just sitting back in the corner watching, laughing her butt off. I was just having fun and I hadn't laughed in so long. And oh, so you- she was just letting me me have my moment. I think everything is going great until he stops and he says, hey, I think you're friends with my ex-wife. Whoops. Record scratch? (laughs) What? Who's your wife? Who's your ex-wife? And he says her name. And sure enough, I I 100% know her. Madison exit right. It's now time for me to go home and leave the good doctor alone. I just wanted to make my first pancake. <laughs> I can't even do that. Okay. Crash and burn. Let's, yeah, like, let's... okay, you got that? That, that can be your pancake. We're going to qualify that as the pancake. It's a blessing in disguise because I do the next day. My grandma Lori is coming up and we are going to have a pint before she goes to a wedding. I needed to be in tip top shape to see grandma Lori the next day. So I, of course, tell her everything the next morning. She's like, okay, how's it going? And I said, oh, grandma, like there was a doctor last night and I knew his ex-wife. And and she starts to tell me about someone in her retirement community who has a grandson my age who she's been kind of seeing off and on and how we could double date (laughs) Wow, that sounds awesome. This, my friends, is how it goes out of the gates for me. I am crushing it. But you have good underwear. But I have great underwear. Okay. (laughs) Moral of the story, I'm not ready to get back in the kitchen just yet. It's been about four months at this point, and I still, I need to grieve my losses. I need to identify where my marriage went wrong and I need to do that inner work to learn how to value myself again. I'm really not, you don't, only you will know when you're ready, but um, please just heed that advice and make sure that you're taking care of yourself and doing that inner work on yourself to know who you are. If you don't know who you are, no one else is going to be able to figure that out. I also find that as I move forward, I need to watch out for people who want to take advantage of my vulnerability. There are some really horrible people out there also who don't care of what you're going through and just strictly want to make that first pancake for you. They're more, more than happy to help you make that first pancake. So just be clear on your new standards. And part of that and the most instrumental in this process have been the people that I have surrounded myself with and including you, Craig, which I mean, I really truly should have went with you to that donor's house, but I had Jen with me in that making sure that you have those safeguards as you navigate these waters and uh, the key players. I consider Craig, you one of my best friends through all of this. I mean, we, we started out 
fundraising and a little project together. And there was some pavement scraping movements along the way. And I just, I appreciate you for just having my back and helping me to move forward and share your big heart with me. So I think that's what makes it all special is, you know, you get down to the raw emotions and kind of build things up from there and try to find ways to guide yourself to be more healthy and make good choices. And I think that little bit of distraction maybe with the canine project helped, uh, helped you along. It was 100%. And we actually, I remember conversation very vividly because you were one of the first people I saw publicly after everything went down and we met at a coffee shop and I sat down and I just blurted everything. And my friends, he is the sweetest human being ever. And he just like sat there took his little drink of coffee and he's like, so do you want to wait on this project and maybe not do this right now? Like it was the kindest thing ever. And I'm like, no, we are going to do this and we're going to do it hard and it's going to be awesome. You just listened and you were so incredible. So I thank you for that. I've got three daughters, so I do a lot of listening. <laughs> you sure do. Yeah, you probably could have helped me with the panty situation too. You and Jen, Craig, is this what I need to do? Like, I have no idea. As we move into that, um, with that empathy, You've been a police officer for 24 years, and we've talked about children not wanting to be a police officer when they grow up. You shared that you did. Was it that moment with the high school um, person at in Wausau that you knew that you wanted to be the police officer? I think so. I, you know, I, that was really the only thing I ever remember uh, thinking about what I wanted to do. I picked one school that I wanted to go to, got into that, you know, college, kind of derailed a little bit, mm-hmm. um, starting not being a police officer right away. I knew I wanted excitement. I uh, wanted to be out there and make that difference. And, you know, it took a few extra years, but I finally got her done. And what did your guidance counselor tell you you needed to be in high school? You know, I know you take those, do those little yeah. questionnaires and stuff, but I don't think I, I, I don't remember what that was. Okay. I kind of, and it wouldn't have mattered. I think you just I knew, knew what that I wanted. that's what you wanted. What was that little detour that you took? What did you do aside from the police work that you uh, the blip. That was the just probation and parole. And to be honest, okay. you know, when I got out of college, I started interviewing for positions. It was like, man, I just wasn't finding anything, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm like thinking, you know, what am I going to do? And met uh, somebody I went to college with and kind of got me into this, uh, like a counseling type of job. Did that for like a year uh, with some very troubled youth kind of mm-hmm. before they go to prison or after they get out of prison type of thing. And that's where I met uh, my wife at the time and mm-hmm. kind of moved into being a probation officer Did that for like seven years. But I just wasn't excited. You know, it was, I did not like being stuck in an office. Mm-hmm. Um, I took the high risk uh, caseload and I, I like that excitement being out there and, you know, going up and checking on these things and finding problems and, and solving those problems. But it just wasn't exciting enough for me. Um, then I started uh, applying again for some, some police jobs and, and got uh, one in the area here. So when you're applying for police jobs back then, and again, 24 years ago, what are your qualifications to be a police officer? Is there a physical test? Is there, what, what does that look like? It's a multifaceted. So there's, obviously you got to fill out the application and mm-hmm. meet some minimum requirements. You know, I believe at the time I got hired, this has kind of changed over the mm-hmm. years as far as a college degree it was four years. I think when I got mm-hmm. hired, now it's down to two years and there's some tech school stuff, but you know, the tech school stuff is great that, you know, you can go through like a two-year program and, and finish your police academy during that whole two years, sure. get your associate's degree. The police academy is a real thing? It is a real thing. Not, <gasps> it's not, not just like, like a movie? movie. Yeah, not quite like the movie. Huh? 
Speaking to you, Tackleberry. I know, right? I know. There's school, and you have, I would imagine, continued schooling as well. Every job that you have in the department, there's continued training. You know, we're required to have 24 uh, hours of extra training, in service stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, it's driving, it's shooting, medical, you know, CPR stuff, always something coming up that we need to learn. There's new tools that we have everything changes. Right. We, and with the canines, I do know that, um, some of the departments that, um, I helped to fund for their new police dogs, the, they're asking the questions because, um, marijuana is not legalized in Wisconsin at this point as we do this podcast. So they're asking the question, do we get a dog that is able to sniff marijuana moving forward and looking at that with the law changes? So that's quite fascinating that you have to keep up on that. Is that your responsibility? Do they send out mandates? Is that classes? It's not like a class, but I mean, I think all of us are interested in how the laws change and what, you know, we don't want to end up in court, obviously. Right. So we want to do the right thing. So it's just a matter of finding it and kind of adapting, you know, the whole marijuana um it, it is still illegal so right. you know and these dogs are smart so if at some point that it doesn't you know, become criminal mm-hmm. here uh they can adapt you know right you're not going to get rewarded for finding this thing anymore their dogs are like oh okay that's okay. nothing yeah. so now i'm gonna do this <laughs> or you know whatever else is out there interesting anything else that you had to do to be qualified to work for some of the departments that you didn't really anticipate the the big difference i think you, you talked a little bit so this is nothing to do about your qualifications i think just the numbers so when i applied for the job i have now there was 1500 applicants mm-hmm. at the time wow so it was it was a joint there was uh, us and a county agency as well but that pool that was a big pool they look at your application yeah that looks good look at your education that looks good mm-hmm. then they start bringing you in for you know initial interview and then, yes, there is a, a physical agility test. Mm-hmm. There's a lie detector test. There's mm-hmm. a psychological uh, test as well. Talk to me about that psychological test. What what does that look like? You know, you can't ever prepare yourself for that. No, but like, what are they? I Craig, I feel that our society makes political Republican Democratic issues out of everything. And that needs to stop. You are a human being regardless. What is that what they're basically looking for of what your mental state is when they're testing you? Yeah, I think it's looking for, you know, are, are you crazy? Mm-hmm. Um, and do you have good moral character? You know, are there scenarios that go into a situation, this is what we believe, you know, good police officers should, should do. Are you somebody that's going to kind of go around that? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to take it on head on and do the right thing at all times? And it's not just like, here's a question, here's a different question. It's Here's a question. Here's the same question, just asked a little bit differently. Right. So you can't ever try to cheat yourself, you know? And they're like looking I for did in to... psychology class all the time. <laughs> oh, I hated those questions. Yeah. It's very frustrating because then you start questioning yourself. Right. You, know, I, you do. You feel crazy. How did I answer crazy. this last time? Being honest and, you know, try to answer as best you can. I think that's what they're looking for. Somebody with good character. Perfect. Okay. So how many, did you apply for any other jobs than the one that you ended up receiving? Uh, I believe you have to. I mean, there was yep. some stuff out there and, you know, I did a, an interview and I was for Appleton police department. Okay. And I remember one of the questions is where do you see yourself in five years? Well, I had never been a police officer. So I didn't know the rankings or something like this. And the guy giving me the interview was a, mm-hmm. a, a lieutenant. Because it's, it's militant with the police department, correct? The S- lieutenant. Yeah. Sergeant. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, as far as the ranking yep. and stuff. Yes. So he asked me, you know, what, where do I see myself? I'm like, well, I see myself in your position. 
And thinking yeah, back, you I'm did. Like, Whoa, you know, I'm coming for you. I can't believe he didn't laugh in my face. You know, like, it's guys, like that's awesome. No, he probably was super excited and like, <laughs> okay, here you go. Yeah, so that's awesome. You know, you learn from those, and you know, thankfully the the job I got, you know, they they liked what they saw, and, mm-hmm. and you know, 24 years later, here I am, still working. Take us through, if you would. Craig, 24 years ago as a police officer, starting with the department that you're on and police officer Craig now, and I'm talking how you relate to how you do your job. It's, that's a great question. And I think about this all the time. So when I, you know, I think anybody that gets hired right away is you want to get out there and you want to make arrests, you know, tickets and citations, and you're going to jail and it's kind of, you got to prove yourself. Before is everybody. there a quota? There is not a quota. The only quotas we have okay. is if it's an overtime assignment, they expect you to have a certain amount of productivity because they're paying you overtime sure. to come and do that. But there is not. So you it's know, not like a, oh, we have to go out and get five speeding tickets. We're nailing you on this stretch of road type thing today. Right. We're, okay. You know, and yes, we get those smart ass questions. Oh, you just yeah. give me tickets. You can get a toaster or right. you know, things like that. <laughs> like, right. Okay. How do you not throat punch those people when they you know, say that I, to you? I have a very strong tongue because I bite oh. that all the time. Wow. Okay. I, I interrupted. Please, please can <laughs> continue. As you get older and the way I, I approach my job now is I am interested in everybody I deal with. Everybody's got a story and it's up to me to determine what the best outcome is. So. Everybody is number one treated fairly, but also you have to understand why people do what they do. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that a young cop is interested in. It's, They're interested in going out and, and giving the tickets and getting those numbers. Is that what you're saying? I am. You know, okay. it's like going call to call, deal with this boom, boom, boom. But, you know, in my position now, I have the opportunity to take more time on things. You know, you have a situation, and yes, you could write a ticket or Let's figure it out. You know, what's causing you to do this? Um, I deal with a lot of with neighborhood problems. So mm-hmm. it's, you're talking to different people and trying to figure out the best way because we don't want these people to come back and have the same issue. As, as an older officer, you need to understand that maybe somebody made a bad choice. Right. Because we all do. Right. And if I arrest you and throw you in jail, what is that going to do? You know, do you have a family that mm-hmm. you have to support? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're going to go light on crime or give somebody free passes or something. But I think there's teachable moments in everything Mm -hmm. that maybe I don't give you a ticket this time. Maybe I give you a warning, but we're going to talk about this and say, you know, look, here's your other options you can do. We're going to give you a rope. If you want to hang yourself in the future, that's fine. But maybe right right now we're going to do it this way. Give you the opportunity to to say, you know what? I messed up and hey, he gave me a break. I'm going to make those changes. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't know if that works all the time because... You go through so many calls and so many people that it probably does because you're not seeing a lot of those same people. I feel like it totally would. I mean, think about that. If I'm driving and I get a speeding ticket and I am legit late for a canine fundraising meeting and someone pulls me over and I say, yeah, I was speeding. I did it. This is where I'm going. And you say, okay, just slow it down next time. Move along. You can guarantee I'm going to pay attention to what I'm doing. And I just had a a lapse in judgment. So I I feel that that's hugely important. And that's amazing that you do that. But then I would look at Madison's driving record and be like, oh my God, she's been late to a lot of appointments, apparently. Okay. 
a lot of I'm like I am always late for appointments. But, uh, but, but honestly, yes. it's, it's that whole whole picture that you know you hope that the interactions you have with people they're they're good people they're going to learn from if you give them the benefit of the doubt you give them that mm-hmm. break and a majority of the people are like that now again there's people that don't care about that mm-hmm. stuff and it's like if you give them a warning like haha i got away with sure. him you know whatever it, your time's going to come and right and you're going to get that ticket figure it out was there a moment in your career craig that you feel that that turned around for you where you that that light switch went off for you where you were no longer just giving the ticket and I don't want to use the word numb to the job, but stopped and said, oh my gosh, this is, these are human beings and this is how I can really be helpful here. You know, I think after divorce, um, you kind of look at your whole life, put everything into perspective. Mm -hmm. You realize that everybody is, is different. Everybody is probably going through something. So for me to say, yes, this is the moment, I, I don't know, but I would say, being in the relationship that I am now has gotten me to understand that there's always two sides to every story. Mm-hmm. So there's times when I watch something that is, let's say it's anti-police, you know, it makes us look bad. And in the past, I'd be like, screw that. I'm not watching that. That's just stupid. Right. Now it's like, okay, I'll watch it. It's going to be hard to watch. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a lot of feelings or something, but maybe I do need to look at it through that person's mm-hmm. eyes that there's always different side to that story that someone else is looking at it that way uh share with us your specific role with the unit that you're in right now what is what is the title of the work that you're doing so i'm considered a community police officer okay um so i don't have to go out and listen to the the radio and go from call to Mm -hmm. call to call to call my job is i have a smaller area that i'm focused on and i have to deal with the problems in that area whether that's nuisance properties with you know, loud parties and sure. noise all the time or reckless driving or drug houses, you mm-hmm. know, we focus, there's ways we deal with that stuff too. And so it's right. also working with, you know, my area has a lot of rental properties. So there's tenants and landlords and a lot of issues with that as well. And kind of mediating uh, between the tenant and the landlord and coming up with some reasonable options for everybody to get along. Sure. What's your favorite part of doing that? I think in summertime, I have the option of riding a bicycle. Mm-hmm. So. You know, you go do your job as a police officer, you drive up and down neighborhoods and people see you and, you know, oh, there's a cop. There goes a cop, mm-hmm. you know, on a bicycle, it's, you know, there's people sitting on the porch and you have the opportunity, you're going by slow and to talk and say hi. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think my favorite part is interacting with the kids, maybe spending five or 10 minutes in the park with them and playing kickball or basketball or Those something like that. Positive touches and that positive reinforcement with police officers. A lot of these families, when they're meeting you, it's not in a positive light, is it? It is not, you know, and it's kind of crushing that we've had many uh, times playing with the kids, you know, getting to know these kids, you know, we'd race them on our bicycles and, you know, of course you let them win and things like that. But, you know, you kind of get to know these kids and, you know, if you're by their houses, sometimes the parents will come out and they'd be like, don't you talk to those cops? <gasps> and it's like, wow, really? you know, what kind of influence is that going to have on this kid's perspective now as thinking this mm-hmm. cop is cool. He played with me. He talked with me. He's a human being. Yeah. So how, you know, you think about how do you fix that? And I don't know if you can fix that. I think you just have to be out there and, and be a good role model and treat people fairly. And maybe that'll come around. Um, yes. But as a young cop, you don't think like that. I think as an older cop and being in this position, mm-hmm. definitely uh, allows me to take that extra time and think about how I'm going to interact with somebody. You have to 
ask. So, and I feel this is in every community. You have your habitual offenders, that person that is continually making bad choices and ruffling your feathers. How do you engage with those people? I think you have to look at it uh, different levels that Number one, you're going to have your bad people, regardless of what, how you treat them. They're going to be, we're going to see them over and over again, and it, nothing's ever really going to change. But that's a very small amount of people. Right. Something, you know, you can have one day I arrest somebody and a couple of days later they're out of jail, you know, and maybe their circumstances are different at that point. So, you know, mental health is mm-hmm. a huge factor in how people view us mm-hmm. and deal with us. Alcohol and drugs, you mm-hmm. know. There's certain people that, you know, there's one particular individual, he's over 50 and I've been dealing with him my entire career Mm -hmm. and there's been arrests and tickets or something. So when I go and I'm driving around and I see this person, within the first couple seconds, I know whether it's going to be a good or a bad interaction. Mm -hmm. And that's whether or not he's sober or Mm -hmm. intoxicated. If he's Mm -hmm. intoxicated, it's, how you doing? Mm -hmm. I'll see you later. If not, it's, I'm going to pull up next to him and we're going to have a good chat about things. Do you, um, with that individual, do you, do you cheer for him? I do. You know, there's, there's been a lot of people that you've taken extra time with and it's good to see good things happen to those mm-hmm. people. You know, there, there are a few that have beaten that demon of mm-hmm. the alcohol and the homelessness yep. and you know, they're not like rock stars, but they're making it happen mm-hmm. and they're doing good. We're not having any contacts with them. And I truly cherish those times when I, those people that know that, you know, Maybe it wasn't me. Maybe it was a culmination of dealing with a bunch of different sure. people or that light switch went on in their life that they made this choice, but it makes me very happy. And then when you see them again, when kind of you have mm-hmm. that downswing or something is, you know, I don't give up on there's no. a couple individuals that, you know, I'll pop in once in a while mm-hmm. and see, and, you know, and I had one individual who, you know, I did on a regular basis and he was doing great. I think it was almost three years of being okay. sober. And then one day I went up, there was a call and I'm like, man, that sounds like him. Uh And sure enough, it was him. And man, he was in my face and threats or something. And I'm like, dude, everything you're doing right now is on my body camera. I'm going to come back Mm -hmm. in a couple of days. You're going to see this and you're going to be like, wow, I can't believe Mm -hmm. I was like that. He's like, I don't want to see that. And I never did show him that, but I had conversations Mm -hmm. with him and, you know, hope he now he's on the upswing again, you know, and said, man, what, you know. We talk about that stuff right. and those are those things that, you know, you know, he's going through something bad and, and alcohol is a disease. It is a demon. And I just, I commend you for, for giving him that, that opportunity to that. It, they're a completely different person when that alcohol takes them over. So, so thank you for that, that kindness with those people. Have there, has there been anyone through your career who's come back who you were just like, wow, I made, I did this. I turn this around there's been a couple mm-hmm. you know that in there's been a couple surprising ones and i'm actually you know, with my previous career as a probation officer mm-hmm. you know i'd been out of that job for probably 15 16 years and i got a phone call through the front desk from somebody like hey this person says they knew you back when you're probation officer and like a call mm-hmm. back you know <laughs> i'm like um, okay. am i on a list yeah. okay honestly it was one of the best conversations i ever had oh. it was you know, he said you know you were tough on me but you listened, you helped me mm-hmm. through this stuff. You changed me. I'm a better person. He was one that, uh, he did draw jumping out of airplanes. Now mm-hmm. he's like, Hey, if you ever want to come and do that, I'm thinking, 
All right, is this guy really being honest with me, or is he going to push me out without yeah, a parachute? Stop, no, <laughs> but, I mean, you should totally do this. <laughs> that was many years yeah, ago. I know, you know, but, but how cool! It, it made me feel good that you know what this guy reached out didn't have to. Yep. But it's nice, you know. You never know uh, a lot of those interactions you have, whether or not it's going to have a lasting effect. And that was, you know, one that did and made me feel pretty good. Thank you so much for sharing that and sharing all of this with us today. If you could leave the people listening with one thing from today, what would that be? I think I've said this probably a hundred times during this, but everybody's got a story. Mm -hmm. I think if everybody could look at situations through your eyes and their eyes and come to some kind of middle ground, you know, we talked a little bit about the politics and Mm -hmm. stuff as well, that you can have your opinion and something, but I can have mine as well. Let's work this through this together and understand that there's always a different way to look at something. Right. And respectful. I couldn't have said it better. That was wonderful. And thank you again for taking your time for being so unbelievably wonderful. And I would be remiss if before you leave. Okay. So Craig is a bike cop. He legit is. And we had a beer tasting party one night. Do you remember this? Yeah. And Craig brought a bunch of beer to the party. And when he had left, he left the beer behind. So I decided that I was going to take Officer Craig's beer with me. He wasn't he wasn't working um, to tailgate with me the next day. And you were working in the parking lot. You were on duty. And Craig pulls up on his bike and he's like, seriously, are you drinking my my beer? As I'm working. I remember. It still hurts. <sighs> oh, it was so delicious. I actually, I take a, I uh, snapped a photo. So I'm going to have to like put that when we do this podcast thing of me uh, drinking your, it wasn't a craft beer. No. It was, a, it was a local beer, but yep. not a craft beer. Yeah. So again, I just, I appreciate your friendship and your kindness. And thank you for sharing that message with us today. Will you please come back, especially if you jump out of an airplane and you um, have really big things on the horizon. I understand. I don't get pushed out of that airplane. I definitely will come back. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Craig. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, make sure you join us next episode as we take you out to the ball game. Please make sure to follow, rate, and review this podcast. It's how we know you like what we're doing. Plus, it helps makes it easier for other listeners to find us. I want to thank our guest, Officer Craig, so very much for sharing his story with us today. You can join in the conversation and email me at Madison, we need to talk at gmail.com. I'm on all the social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. You can find me there. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. <laughs>